Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. John chapter 10 this morning. Man, it's good to see you guys. It has been a busy, busy week uh, for me, and I don't know how your week has been, but it's been a busy week, and uh, I'm excited uh, to share what I hope will be an encouraging message with, for you today, and uh, it'll be a blessing to you, and uh, really, you guys are going to feel like, wow, this is a different kind of message. Well, as we draw our attention to Resurrection Sunday, I just want us to begin to kind of uh, focus in on um, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen? And so John chapter 10 is one of those uh, places that we can really see some neat things, and so hopefully this will be, as I said, a blessing and an encouragement to each and every one of us, and certainly it's been an encouragement to me this week. Let's look, beginning in John chapter 10, if you're there, look down with me to verse number 7. Verse number 7, and the Bible says, Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep, and all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief, verse 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Isn't that right? The thief cometh but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Look at verse number 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it impacts our lives. And God, we thank you for the songs that we could sing about our belief and how we should praise the name of the Lord our God each and every day. And Lord, the reminder that nothing but the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin. And so Lord, I'm thankful that we're able to sing today and I'm thankful that you've given us an opportunity, another opportunity to hear from you, from your word. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, your word would fall upon the good soil of our hearts today. Lord, that we might be encouraged. And God, that we might uh, go away from this place more in love with you than when we walked in. God, I pray that if there's somebody in this room, somebody that is watching, Lord, that, uh, and they do not have a relationship with you through Jesus, God, I pray that today will be the day that they will recognize your love and your goodness and God, that you might open up the eyes of their understanding so that they might come to saving faith today. Lord, I pray that you'll be with me through the next few moments of time, that you'll be honored and glorified by everything that is thought, everything that is said, and everything that is done behind this pulpit. And Lord, we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I was thinking this week, I think all of us have experienced our share of good and bad. Anybody experienced good this week? Let's take a poll. Anybody experience some good? Well, I think we all experience some good because you're sitting here. You're breathing, all right? It, was, it wasn't a trick question, but anyway, that's a follow-up. Anybody, let's do this. Let's take a poll. Anybody experience the not-so-good or the bad this week? Something that was, you're like, yeah, you're like, yes, me. This is my life this week. And, uh, you know, each day is different, but I'm guessing like me, Everyone in this room, everyone watching, at some point has enjoyed the demeanor or the service, watch this, of a good waiter or a good waitress. Have you ever had a good waiter or a good waitress at a restaurant? Anybody? Now let's do this. Have you ever had, and I don't want to say bad, but have you ever had a not so good waitress in a restaurant? Anybody else besides me? Um, I don't know about you and how you go about doing business in your world, but for Krista and I, we can go somewhere 
and the meal could be kind of like mediocre. Have you ever had this happen where like the meal's like, eh, it's okay. But the service is phenomenal, and we'll give that place a second try. You ever done that? You're like, eh, we'll, uh, we'll go back again. We'll try it again because she or he was so, what a blessing. It was just great. But have you ever had the opposite happen where you go and the food is phenomenal, but the service is terrible and you're like, nope, I'm never going back. That's the way, I, I mean, we've made decisions that, that way. To be sure, it doesn't matter really what occupation we're talking with, but I think we're always running into those who do a good job in their occupation and those who do not such a good job. In fact, I was thinking earlier, I've had the occasion, as many of you know, I've had my physical challenges in life, and I've had the occasion to meet uh, doctors, uh, some who are very, very good. And some, maybe you've been there. I've, I've had the occasion to meet doctors who I really come away feeling like, man, this person, they, they, they don't even know me, but they love me. They care about my health. And then I've met some doctors who seem more interested in my method of payment. I'm just saying, you know. Uh, I've also, if you've ever been in uh, department stores or Walmart or anywhere, I've also had the occasion to witness workers who are really committed to excellence, really committed to serving in whatever job they have. And then I've had the occasion to witness workers who are doing everything they can to get out of doing work. You ever seen that? When I was younger, I loved my teachers. I fell in love with some teachers who really impacted my life. I'll, I'll be honest with you. There were some teachers that really just impacted my life. But I also know that there were some teachers that I walked away feeling like they could really care less whether I learned algebra or geometry or trigonometry. I, I, they really could care less. They were just like, you're either going to get it or you're not. And if you don't get it, get out of my class, right? So I think we've all had our occasions to have these type of people in our life but the reality is we could go on and on about different jobs and different occupations and whether they're good or bad but the reality is that I think that when people serve us watch this when people serve us I think that we want and almost I think we demand that we get the very best service that's why we make the decision well service was terrible I'm not going back there that doctor was terrible, I'm going to change doctors. That dentist was this, or whatever. We can fill in the blanks. But the reality is we want the very best we can get. And the same is true when, watch it, here it comes. When you and I serve the Lord, He wants the very best from us. Last week we were talking, and I shared with you that as uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, that you and I, we are ambassadors for Christ. And as His ambassadors, I think He wants us to do a good job. I don't think that we've been saved. You know, I don't think Jesus died on the cross and saved us from our sin to say, hey, go out and just be a horrible witness for me. I think that when he says go into all the world and preach the gospel, that's what he means. I believe that he also wants us to let our light so shine before men. I believe that's what he wants from each and every one. And he wants us to do a good job along the way. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17 says these words, says, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And if you go down just a few other verses, in verse number 23, it says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto who? The Lord and not unto men. Yes, I believe God wants the very best from us, but I also believe that he wants the very best for us. And that's why God so loved the world. Watch this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God wants the very best from us, but he has given us the very best in his son Jesus. Amen? Amen. I think about James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, in verse number 17, it says that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh is from above and cometh down from the Father with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. And so God is literally doing exactly what he asks us to do as his ambassadors. He gives us perfect gifts. He gives us good and perfect gifts, and he wants us to do the same. He wants the very best for us, but he also gives us the very best. Look back in our main text this morning, because in this text, 
We have Jesus making a couple of different declarations. And he declares himself to be a shepherd. And if you look in, in historical context, the job of a shepherd was to watch and to remain vigilant, always looking out for dangers or foes of any kind to protect the, the flock. Okay, But a shepherd also was to protect and to defend the sheep when necessary. And since, you know, here's a fun fact for you, sheep have no sense of direction. I was reading a commentary the other day, and what's interesting, said sheep have no sense of direction. So the reality is that the shepherd is also there to guide the sheep because there could be uh, fresh, accessible water and green pastures just over the hillside, and the sheep would just roam around, and they would never get to it. And so that's why the shepherd has to lead them. In fact, it's been said that sheep cannot be driven like cattle. They cannot be driven like cattle or wild mustangs or anything like that. They must be led. And so we see that a shepherd must guide and lead. A shepherd cares for sheep. And many times I was reading that the shepherd, because they're out in the midst of, of really nowhere, that there's, nothing, there's not a hospital or a veterinarian anywhere to be found. So guess what? The shepherd had to be able to care and to uh, give health-saving tips and, and practices for the sheep. And so serving as a doctor or a nurse at the same time. A shepherd is there to rescue or save the sheep that are lost. We can read that in Scripture. A shepherd provides the various needs of a sheep. And ultimately, a shepherd loves the sheep because guess what? When danger comes, if the shepherd puts his life in harm's way, he may, he may lose his life on behalf of the sheep. And so we see all these things, but look back in our passage because Jesus doesn't simply suggest that he's a shepherd or a good shepherd. He says he's the good shepherd. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking, okay, how can I draw that out? In Mark chapter 10, and you don't have to go there now, but from verses like 17 to 22, Jesus has a short little... Uh, Lord, uh, a short little uh, intercourse with this man who comes to him. He's a young, rich ruler. And he comes to Jesus and he calls Jesus essentially a good teacher. And Jesus turns around and says to the rich, young ruler, he says, why call me good? He said, because there is no one good except for God. Now, let's go back to our text. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. What's he saying, folks? He's saying, I'm God. He's saying, I'm God. Listen, I'm not only a good shepherd. I'm not only good at doing my job as a, an ordinary shepherd. He said, I am God. I am the good shepherd, if you please. And you can see that from text. And so the good shepherd, or God, gives himself for his sheep. So let's look at how he gives every day himself for the sheep. So if you're a note taker, I want you to notice a few things with me. Number one, Jesus is deeply interested in his sheep. He's interested in you. He's interested in me. If you've never come to Saving Faith yet, He's interested in you today. And I'm going to prove that to you right here this morning. And so if you don't know Jesus, there's no reason for you to leave this place without Jesus today. Amen? Isn't that good? That's a... Hello, isn't that good? Yeah. I got news to you, for you. An eternity apart from Jesus is not good. Think about this. An eternity apart from Jesus is no good. So if I can show you that the good shepherd is also the way to salvation today, from this text that I've already read you, there's a verse that he kind of intimates that. Man, we ought to be excited. It's such a blessing. But number one, Jesus is deeply interested in his sheep. So anybody, if you and I said, you know what, I'm going to take up being a shepherd. I'm going to get me some sheep and uh, you know what? I'm going to retire from my job. I'm just going to be a sheep herder. I'm going I'm to have a sheep farm. And I'm going to learn how to be a shepherd. Well, if you're going to be a good shepherd, lowercase g, lowercase s, if you're going to be a good shepherd, then you must first have an interest in the sheep. It's not just about buying a bunch of sheep, putting them out in the field. And we have some farmers here that know about taking care of animals, right? And it doesn't matter whether it's goats or chickens or sheep. You must care for these animals. Anybody have cats here today? Let's see. Come on, raise your hands. You're not proud of your kitty cats? Don't ask me if cats go to heaven. I'll not comment on that today. 
because we know that all dogs go to heaven. Who has dogs today? All right, man, look, look at this. This is a dog church. Look, I said, who has dogs? And everybody started raising up their hands. Who has chickens? Got some chickens. Who has goats? You got goats? Does anybody have any sheep? Nobody? Well, if you want to be a good shepherd, then you must care for the sheep. Or if you want to be a good farmer, if you please, you must care for the animals under your care. And Jesus was interested, watch this, Jesus was interested in his sheep, this is going to sound crazy, before we existed. He was interested, isn't that crazy? He was interested in us. He was interested in the sheep, if you please, before we even existed. You say, Pastor, where do you get that from? Well, Ephesians chapter 1. In Paul's introduction to the church at Ephesus, notice what he says in verses 3 and 4. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, watch it, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him, when? Before the foundation of the world. Before, before you were a twinkle in anybody's eye. Before you thought anything, before you said anything, before you were even in your mother's womb, he already was interested in you. Isn't that good? That's good, folks, because God's plan before the foundation of the world included his son, watch this, being intertwined, being intertwined with the lives of everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin. That's such a wonderful, wonderful thought. This is what he does. More than 700 years, if that's not enough proof for you, say, well, that's one, that's one little passage. Thank you so much. More than 700 years before Jesus actually made his entry through a virgin's birth, right? Through being born of a virgin. More than 700 years prior to that, the prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah 9, in verse number 6. Typically, we read this at Christmas time. He said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, watch these names, Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, right? And the Prince of Peace. Oh, the Peacemaker came on that night of nights when the shepherds, when the angel declared to the shepherds, good news, good news. Peace has come into the world. Harmony has come into the world. What a great, great thought. I think about Colossians chapter 1 in verses 16 and 17. The Bible teaches us that by him were all things created. That means he was before them, but watch it. They that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created, watch, by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. I got one more passage. If you'll take your Bible, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We, we must remind ourselves that G, Jesus, as the good shepherd, is deeply interested in, in his sheep. Philippians chapter 2. Let me flip over there with you. Philippians chapter 2. When you get to Philippians chapter 2, look down with me at verse number 5. Verse number 5. And the Bible says, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Plug. Here's, here's a little plug. I always say this when I read this verse. If you want to have the mind of Christ, here it is. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. He has given us his mind through his word. And so this is what Paul says to the church of Philippi. Verse 6. Who, being in the form of God, watch these words, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man... He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, verse 9, Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. I don't know if you understand, but at the last verse... 
There's coming a time when every knee is going to bow. <laughs> There's coming a time. Believer, unbeliever, it makes no difference. Every knee will one day bow. The passage here reveals just how interested Jesus was in becoming our good shepherd. What an amazing passage of scripture. Look at verse number six. Because in verse number six, I'm just going to do a re rehash on a few of these verses. Look at verse number six. It tells us that Jesus was in the form, in the form of God. In other words, this word form actually points to the inner, essential, and abiding nature of a person or thing. That's what it's doing. And so here, it's telling us that Jesus' inner, essential, and abiding nature was and is that of God. Why? Because he is God. The good shepherd is God. And so Paul is actually declaring his deity. But look at verse 6 as well. Because the last part of verse 6 actually is, is speaking of Jesus states that he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. This means that Jesus didn't consider his equality as God or with God to be something that he had to literally like hold on to tightly. He understood that he was God. He wasn't confused about his role. The point is that, think about this. Jesus could have stayed in heaven. He could have stayed in heaven. He's God. He could have stayed in heaven and enjoyed the splendors of all that came with being God. But because he was deeply interested in the sheep, watch this. He willingly says here, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And so he chooses to leave his glory behind and come to earth. Why? Because he loved you. He loved me. He's deeply interested in his sheep. Look at verse 7. In verse 7, it says that he made himself of no reputation. In other words, he emptied himself. We live in a culture when everybody's concerned about their reputation, aren't we? Everybody's worried about what their reputation is. Most people are. Most people don't set out to say, you know what? I'm just going to blow it so that I have a bad reputation. That's not the game plan for most people. Most people want people to look at them or to respond to them by saying, man, that person, man, they're solid. They have, a, they, they have a solid reputation. They always, watch this, they always do what they say they're going to do. If they tell me they're going to show up and do some, if you're an electrician, sorry. If you're an electrician or a plumber or a carpenter or you're a tradesman, tradeswoman, and you say you're going to show up and you're going to do something, please do yourself a favor, show up and do it. Because everybody's looking. Everybody's watching. Listen, if I tell somebody that I'm going to pray for them, watch this Facebook prayer warriors. If you say you're going to pray for somebody on Facebook, please pray for somebody. Don't just hit the little emoji with the praying hands and, and well, I prayed for them. That, no, you didn't. Take it before the throne of our Lord and Savior, our God, right? It's throne of mercy where we can find grace and, and mercy in our time of need. Oh, we must do these things. Verse number 7, he empties himself. Jesus says, it says he made himself of no reputation. He gave up his glory, his riches, and his godly authority. And here's what he did. He submitted to and became dependent upon the Father as he came. Why did he come? Because he was deeply interested in the sheep. Verse number 7 also reveals that he took upon himself the form of a servant. Uh-oh. Hold on a second. I thought you just said, Pastor, in verse 6, he was in the form of God. Yes, he was. But now also watch, because he's deeply interested in sheep. Watch what he does. He says, he took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So in other words, not only does Jesus have the inner essential abiding nature of God, but he does this. He puts upon himself the essential, the inner abiding nature of a servant. He says, guess what? I'm going to take off my royal robe and I'm going to clothe myself in flesh. I'm, are you watching what he's doing? He says, I'm going to take off my royal robe and then I'm going to put on, I'm going to clothe myself in flesh and I'm going to go down to earth and I'm going to be born of a virgin. I'm going to live and people are going to hate me. People are going to despise me. People are going to do this no matter what they do. But I'm going to go down 
Why? Because I'm deeply interested in the sheep. This is what he does. And this is what he has done for us. The Son of God willingly stooped to become the only servant that could purchase my freedom and your freedom through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Look at verse number 8. Verse number 8 puts it this way by saying, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbles himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This is where you see in verse number 8 that the good shepherd... Go back to, you hold your spot. I'm going to go back to John chapter 10. In verse number 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep, for the sheep. Here in verse 8, it says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This is where we see the good shepherd giving his life for the sheep. I don't know about you, but that's such a wonderful, wonderful thought. That I have a God who loved me so much that he took off his royalty. He took off what he rightly deserves. And he came down and he clothed himself with flesh. The same flesh that you and I are covered with. He came down. That's, the, that's a very deep conceptual thing, thinking about the hypostatic union. But he comes down, he's all God, but he's all man. And he did it. Why? Because he loved you and he loves me. He did it because he's deeply concerned he's deeply interested in the sheep go back to John chapter 10 with me because in verse number 10 of our text Jesus says that the thief comes not but for to steal to kill and to destroy and if you go back one verse and here's what I wanted I want to kind of hold hold the line he's the good shepherd but I want us to go back to verse number nine because in verse number 9, right before he says that the thief, referring to the devil who walks about seeking whom he may devour, he says he's a thief, he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But right before that, look what he says in verse number 9. He says, I am the door. Not only is he a good shepherd, and that's the title of the message, but here in verse number 9, I think it's important for us to take note that he says, I'm the door. And so, and the reason I think it's important, because in verse number 9, we also see that Jesus is deeply interested in the sheep. When he says that he's the door, he is reconfirming and confirming and stating loud and clear that he is deeply interested in you and me. Look, verse number 9 says that he's the door for any man. Look at the verse. I am the door by me if any man, any man, woman, any boy, any girl, if any man comes in. He says, this is who I am. He, and by the way, this is speaking of the Jewish people or the sheep that would, were coming out of this legalistic system of religion. And it also speaks to the Gentile who was previously unreligious. So it didn't matter whether you were a Jewish person or a Gentile. He's saying, anybody that comes to me, he says, I'm the doorway. And what's he saying he's the doorway for? Not just for any man, but he's saying, I'm the door to salvation and eternal life. Look at verse number 9. It says, He shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And then he goes on and he talks about the fact as the door, he is the protection. Here's the, here's the picture for you. As our protection, the good shepherd... The door is important. When he says, I'm the door, it's important connection with the good shepherd. Because in that day and age, there would be kind of a, an area of encampment, all right, where a lot of flocks would gather. And so this shepherd might bring his flock of sheep, this shepherd might bring his flock of sheep, whatever, and they might encamp for the night together. There were no, it wasn't 2022, there were no gates, there were no hinges there were no doors. There was no wrought iron uh, steel gates around these encampments. So here's what the shepherds would do. Now this is kind of interesting. There would be an opening and then they would typically pile rocks around where they would encamp. It would be kind of a protected area. It would have rocks or shrubs or anything to keep uh, the wolves out and other uh, creepy crawlers out, right? And that's why he says the thief, if you read the rest of the pastor, it says thieves go over. Go over the encampment to get the sheep. But not so with the good shepherd. As the door, shepherds would lay down. Are you ready for this? They would lay themselves prostrate 
between the opening so that anybody coming or any sheep going, they would be alerted to what's taking place, right? Jesus is saying as the good shepherd, watch this, he says, I'm not only the good shepherd, I'm the door for any man, Jew or Gentile, that comes to me by faith. I'm also the door of forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. He says, I'm also the door of protection. I'll lay down and I will protect you because I'm deeply interested in you. And then we see he's also the door of provision. Look at verse number 9. Verse number 9 says, I am the door by me. If any man enter and in, he shall be saved. By the way, don't be offended at the word saved because Jesus used the word saved. Amen? Are you glad you're saved? If you know Jesus, you ought to. You know, it's like that song. If you're happy and you know it. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. You know, if you're happy and you know it, just say, oh my. Whatever. Say something. I'm thankful that Jesus says here. It says, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. And watch it. And shall go in and out and find pasture. Oh, listen. It's an abundant fact as the shepherd that he was deeply committed to the sheep. He's deeply interested. Finally, look at verse number 10. After promoting, he talks about what the devil is. He's a thief. He's coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then he says, but I've come, and I've come to give you abundant life. Notice what he says after that. In verse number 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. Now, this started to get me a little confused earlier this week. And I was talking to Dennis Yates the other day. He had a little meeting, and, and I was thinking about this. He says, I'm the good shepherd. In the same passage, he says, I'm the door. But friends, I don't know. Maybe you've thought about this already this morning. John the Baptist, in John chapter 1, in verse number 29, he looks afar off and he declares the Lamb of God. He declares Jesus to be the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. So I got a question. Is he the Lamb? Is he the door? Or is he the good shepherd? He's all three. He's all three. He's deeply interested in you and me. As a lamb, watch this, as a lamb, he identified with you and me in his humanity. But as the good shepherd, oh my friends, he emphasizes his deity. The lamb of God came down and identified with us. As, who, uh, as those who are sheep, as the doorway of salvation and protection and provision, but as the good shepherd, he watches, he guides, he cares, and he loves for us. Listen, everything in your life may not go exactly like you want it to. It might, all not, it might not all be sunshine and roses. You may not get everything you want. By the way, that happened to me years and years ago at a store that was before Walmart called Kresge's. And if you're old enough to remember Kresge's, then you know what I'm talking about. They had like a little soda shop in that janks. You'd go in there, you could do your shopping, but we could go over and sit at the little soda counter and, man, you could get cherry Coke, vanilla Coke, all kinds. I mean, they put flavors in Cokes. And this was in a time when... Uh, 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 you know, they, they might, adults might give us a quarter. And a quarter, man, I could get a big buddy. Does anybody remember what a big buddy was? A big buddy was a stick of gum about that long, right? I could get big buddy for like five cents. But do you know that there were times, much like your children today, or maybe your children are grown, when we would check out at the checkout counter? Do you know they do this on purpose. They put all the candy. They put all the little gadget toys. They put all the little things that are brightly colored to attract your child as you're getting ready to check out on purpose. It works. It works. Why would you move it? Because immediately, I have a problem with my hand. It goes to the candy, right? And immediately, you don't get what you want all the time, right? But that didn't change the fact that I had a wonderful father and a wonderful mother who loved me and cared deeply for me. Sometimes we don't get everything that we desire in this life, but that does not change the fact 
that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. He is the door. He is the Lamb of God. Why? He did all of these things because he's deeply interested in you. So when things grow, go wrong, when things don't go according to plan, you can be sure that he is still the good shepherd. In fact, J. Vernon McGee, in talking about the lamb, the door, and the good shepherd, he said, this sounds like a bunch of mixed metaphors, but it's actually one of the most glorious truths in Scripture. Oh, hold on to these truths from Scripture. Because Jesus is worthy to be praised. Secondly, he not only is deeply interested in his sheep, but he regularly intercedes for his sheep. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. Now you say, where's 1 John? It's all the way over here at the back uh, end of Scripture. And uh, 1 John chapter 2 is on page 788. Okay? 1 John if somebody turns and you find that it's 788 in your Bible, just say, uh, same page. Anybody? No? No 788s here? All right. <laughs> page 788, 1 John chapter 2. Notice what John writes, beginning in verse number 1. He says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation. He's the atoning sacrifice, is what He's saying, for our sins and not for ours only. What does John say? But for the what? But also for the sins of the whole world. Folks, when we sin, and we do. Does anybody have a problem with me saying that? Does everybody understand that we are all sinners? I don't need to tell you that, right? It's like, it's like Pastor, are you going to tell them they're sinners? No, I think we already know that we're sinners. I don't think that we need to be told by me. I don't think me telling us that we're sinners is going to make it any more or less true. We all know that we're sinners. And so Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, here's what it is. He's still deeply interested in our lives. And I know this because he pleads our case. He's the atoning sacrifice for me. He pleaded my case. He said, listen, I'm going to offer my life as a sacrifice for that one. I'm going to offer my life as a sacrifice. Oh, listen, uh, this, this here, reminding verse 2 says, and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. The beautiful thing is Jesus is the greatest defense lawyer we have ever had. Are you in need of a defense attorney today? I mean, Andy may be good at his job as a lawyer. Uh, he might recommend somebody to defend you or whatever. The greatest defense lawyer of all time is Jesus Christ, the righteous. And you say, where do you get that? Zechariah chapter 3. You can go and find that the accuser of the brethren is going to show his ugly head in Zechariah chapter 3. But I'm thankful that the defense attorney of all time, Jesus Christ, the righteous, stands up in that moment. He will defend and plead our cause. But here's the thing. The good shepherd is not only a divine lawyer, he's also a divine priest. Flip back just a few pages to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I want you to see this. And when you get to Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse number 14. Because the writer of Hebrews puts it this way, beginning in verse number 14, he says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed in the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, watch, yet without what? Without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. No matter how bad things seem to get, you and I can hold on to the good shepherd who is, as Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 tells us, who is the anchor for our souls, knowing that he will speak on our behalf in our time of need. I can come boldly to the throne of grace and mercy I don't need anybody. I don't need to go through anybody. I can go through Jesus to the throne. And you can too. Every one of us can go to his throne. 
The beautiful thing is that he understands our frame, our weaknesses, our troubles, our temptations. Why? Because he came and he actually experienced in his humanity the same weaknesses, the same temptations, the same troubles, the same things that we go through. So when troubles come, and they will come, we can boldly or confidently go to the throne of God's grace knowing that because we are his sheep that we will be able to obtain mercy and find help in our time of need. Now, I don't want to pry or anything, but I'm just going to go on a limb and say that I bet everybody in this room in some way, some form, or some fashion could use Jesus' help today. Am I right? In some way, something's going on in your life. Maybe it's not yours. Maybe you're like the Laodicean church and you think that everything's going well and you have need of nothing. But maybe you have a relative who is in need. Maybe you have a coworker that is going through a trial right now. Maybe your next door neighbor is going through something. Maybe somebody you met at Harris Teeter or Wegmans or Walmart. Maybe you met somebody who is in desperate need of an answer from God. That's why we must go boldly. Why? Because the shepherd, the shepherd, he intercedes for us on a regular basis. I think back in Jesus' day, you remember blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus? And Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, he comes and he starts crying out to Jesus. And if you, were, if you don't remember the story, in, in this passage in Mark chapter 10, he cries out for mercy. And he's a blind beggar and Jesus responds. He intercedes right in that moment. He responds by giving him sight. In Matthew chapter 8, a terrible, sea is on the storm, a, a terrible storm is on the Sea of Galilee. And you remember the story. Jesus is with his disciples. Where's Jesus? He's yeah, he's down in the bottom. He's taking a little siesta. Meanwhile, the disciples, they're getting a little nervous. They're getting a little fearful. And so they finally wake him up. They're like, don't you care? That we're about to die. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. Jesus, in that passage in Matthew chapter 8, he rebukes the winds and the sea. And the Bible says, and there came a great calm. I've had times in my life, and I'm guessing you have too, where you needed some calm. The one who will give you calm today is the good shepherd. The one who sees the storm that is raging in your life. The one who understands you're a little fearful like his disciples because the winds and the waves are rocking and pushing and pulling you about. He's the same one that calmed the storm then. He's the same one who's able to calm the storm today. I think about in John chapter 6 after listening to Jesus teach. You remember there were about 5,000 men plus women and children and they got hungry. And it was Jesus who takes... A, a little boy's fish and breads, his little barley loaves. And he gives thanks. He gives thanks for what they have and then proceeds to provide and intercede for the need. In Mark chapter 2, four men lower a man who is paralyzed down from the roof. They can't get to Jesus. There's a crowd around the house. And Jesus is in the middle teaching. And so these guys are like, man, let's lower this man down to Jesus. So they climb up on the roof. They pull off the straw, and they lower him down. And when Jesus sees the faith of the men, he... he, he forgives the man's sin, and then because the naysayers start, uh, uh, start uh, bickering with Jesus, he says, would it have been easier for me to tell him to get up and walk? He said, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you that God is the one that has the power to forgive sins. And he said, God's the one that could do that. So he tells the man to get up and walk away. He heals him spiritually and physically. The good shepherd intercedes to protect to comfort, to care for, to feed and to water his sheep because he loves us. He does the same. The reality is when you feel like you are in need, it's as simple as asking. It's as simple as seeking and knocking. In Matthew chapter 7, in verse 7 and 8, Jesus said, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Look at verse 8. For everyone that asketh, receiveth and he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be opened oh yes not only is he deeply interested in his sheep not only does he intercede regularly for us but lastly i see in this passage that jesus continually instructs his sheep he continually instructs his sheep 
when he was on earth, the reality is Jesus was constantly teaching. He was constantly teaching his disciples. Even when the Pharisees came to him and they disputed with him, even when the Sadducees came and he told them, as I shared last week, that they erred because they didn't know Scripture, he was always teaching. And I find um, he's sharing with his disciples. You think about from John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. He's with his disciples on the same night in which he's betrayed. And in John chapter 16, remember John chapter 13, he set the example for him. John chapter 14, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he's, then he goes on, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. They're like, we don't know the way. And they're asking him, John 15, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Then he gets to John chapter 16, and he says, Hey, I got some good news, bad news. Uh, the world hated me before they hated you. At the end of John chapter 15, John chapter 16, he starts out by saying, Hey, guess what? The world's going to kill you and think they do a favor. They're going to come after you. They're going to be those that come after you and kill you, and they're going to think that they're doing the world a favor because of it. Do you know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say about his disciples? The world did exactly as Jesus said they would do. But in John chapter 16, here's what I want to get to, because his disciples are really confused at this time. But in John chapter 16 and verses 12 and following, here's what Jesus says. He says, I have yet many things to say unto you. Stop for a second. In other words, I still have a lot that I want to teach you. He said, well, then why are you leaving? That would be my, like, if you want to teach me something, why don't you hang out and teach me? Watch what he says. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. You're not ready. You're not ready to receive the other things that I need to teach you. But watch what he says in verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Now, here's an important part. For he shall not speak of himself. Who's the Holy Spirit going to speak about? Watch. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he also speak. And he will show you things to come. Verse 14. Who's he going to teach him about? Verse 14, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Oh, how we need to be instructed by Jesus. Not just today. I want to encourage you tomorrow, get up and get into God's word. Take a little bit with you to work. Mom, dad, take a little bit in your heart before you start trying to uh, oversee the household. Take a little bit in your heart when you go into the marketplace Oh, how we need to be taught by Jesus, not just today, but tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Folks, I'll tell you this. I've told it to a lot of people. If we're not putting good in, if we're not putting good in because he comes here through the mind gate and works its way to the heart, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I shared last week that when we have error in our heart, it is sure to be found on our lips and in our lives. Oh, we must be taught. By Jesus, one of the characteristics we have of sheep is that we tend to wander. We tend to wander from Monday through Saturday. We do. We tend to wander. Why? Remember I said earlier, sheep have no sense of, where's the water? Where's the grass? Where, where do I go? I don't know. And so if we're not being led by the good shepherd, you can be sure you're being led by another shepherd and his name is not Jesus. Oh, we must, we must pay attention. Uh, Isaiah, this is why Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, 6, that we like sheep have all gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. I was thinking about this earlier this week and I was reminded of that great song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And I was thinking about my statement that we need to be taught of Jesus day in and day out. I want you to listen to these lyrics as I read them. And as I read these lyrics, I want you to see if anything stands out to you in regards of Jesus as the good shepherd. Verse 1, come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Stream of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount. I'm fixed upon it. Mount. 
of God's unchanging love. There were four things in that. Verse 2, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger. Why? Because he's the good shepherd. Sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me as the good shepherd from danger interposed as the good shepherd as the door his precious blood. Verse 3, O oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Oh, what a wonderful Savior we serve. He's deeply interested in his sheep. He regularly intercedes. He's continually trying to teach us something from his word. And his job as a shepherd is to guide, and that's exactly how he guides. Psalm 32 and verse number 8, God's word says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine own eye. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 16 and 17, these are verses that we've heard before. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man, the woman, the young person may of God may be perfect, truly or completely furnished unto all good works. In verse number 16, guys, if you'll put verse 16 up, it says that it's profitable, it's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine is what's right. It's profitable for correction or reproof. Reproof is what's not right. You get reproof. It's profitable for correction, how to get right. But notice the last part. It's profitable for, what did I say? He's continually instructing us. Instruction in righteousness. This is the idea of how to stay right. You say, man, I'm always blowing it. A great help along the way is God's word. When you feel like you're blowing it, stop. I tell people all the time, man, if you got an anger problem, the moment you feel like you're getting ready to blow up, just stop. Go to God's Word. Go to somebody. Call a friend. Phone a friend. You know, like that show. What was that show? Uh, uh, who Wants to Be a Millionaire? You know, we can poll the audience or get a 50-50 or phone a friend. Listen, when you feel like things are going sideways, man, you, you struggle with some temptation, stop and get into God's Word. Call a friend. Don't allow yourself to be pulled away from the instruction that God has for you. Turn with me to one last, one last passage, Psalm 19, and then we're going to close. Psalm 19, because Jesus instructs us through his word. In Psalm 19, I want you to see what the Bible says. When you get to Psalm 19, look down with me to verse number 7. Psalm 19 Look down with me to verse number 7. And I'm going to make some comments as I read. In verse number 7, the Bible says the law. That word in Hebrew is speaking of the Torah, which essentially means instruction. The instruction from God. So watch what it says. The law of the Lord is what? That means it's whole and complete. The law of the Lord is perfect. It means it's whole or complete. Converting the soul. Look here. The testimony or witness of the Lord, it says it is what? Sure. That means it's reliable. Making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord or the principles or guidelines of the Lord. Remember, we're talking about the good shepherd. His principles or guidelines are right. That means that they're actually correct. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. It means it's clean. It's clear. Enlightening the eyes. Verse number 9. The fear of the Lord is clean or incorruptible here. Enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous. In other words, they're authoritative and all sufficient altogether. Verse number 10 says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. When we're being instructed by the Good Shepherd, we can be certain that what we're being taught, we can be certain. When the Good Shepherd is teaching us from His Word, 
we can be sure that what we're being taught is perfect. We can be sure that it's pure, it is sure, it is right, it is clean, it is true and righteous all together. All of these things are here and at our disposal. What a Savior, the Good Shepherd, just keeps proving His goodness. Not only is He interested, not only does He intercede, but He continues to instruct us as we live in this life. While this is not a message or a debate on dispensationalism, I can tell you there was a time when sheep died for the shepherd. You remember they'd come year after year, the blood of bulls and goats. They would come year after year and spill the blood. And the lambs had to be spotless, didn't they? They had to be considered pure and clean and spotless by the priest. See, there was a time when the sheep would die for the shepherd. But then Jesus... But then Jesus died once for all, the Bible says. The shepherd dying for the sheep. Hebrews 13 states that he's the great shepherd of the sheep. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 5 and 4 that he's also the chief shepherd. One day, and that's speaking future tense, one day we're going to meet the chief shepherd, amen? We're going to see the chief shepherd one day face to face. Today we can rejoice because Jesus is deeply interested in his sheep, Jesus is still regularly interceding for us. And Jesus is very concerned about the life we lead. And he wants to instruct us day after day after day. And so if you've never turned from doing things your way, like sheep, we don't have a good sense of direction. There's a way that seems right unto a man, or there's a way that seems right unto the sheep, but the way thereof are the ways of death. So maybe you've never turned from doing things your way and you've never turned from that and said, you know what, Lord, I want to do it your way. Can I remind you that the only way that happens is if you also recognize him as the door. He's the doorway. For a Jewish person, Gentile, it makes no difference. Anyone that comes to him, he's the doorway of salvation, eternal life. And he's the good shepherd. He is the Lamb of God, the door and the good shepherd. And watch it. He's all three rolled into one. And he loves you. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for this, this word of encouragement today. God, as we focus on Jesus, your son, the good shepherd, the door, the one who put down his royal robes and took on flesh and humanity as the Lamb of God, identifying with our need, he became like us without sin. Lord, he offers that open door that if any man enter in, the Bible, he says himself that if any man enters in, that he shall be saved. God, what a wonderful promise from your word that we can celebrate our Savior, the Good Shepherd, the door the one who has done everything, the one who continues to do everything for us, if we'll just make use of it. Lord, I pray that in this room right now, that if there's somebody that has never walked through that door, that actually understands that you love them and died for them by sending your son, that Jesus died for their sins, if they understand that, they believe that, but they've never received the greatest gift of all, I pray that they would understand that if they will call upon the name of the Lord, that they will be saved. As he said, he's the doorway for the flock. It's pretty important what we do with that verse. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've, I'm not sure that I'm headed for heaven. I, I know, I, I hear what you're saying of Jesus saying he's the door and the good shepherd and that he died as the Lamb of God, but I've never taken advantage of that. I've never asked him to be my Savior. But I want to do that right now. I'm not really sure how to do that. Can I tell you, it's not about a prayer, but it's about your faith. It's about your belief that Jesus is who he says he is. And by faith, you trusting him and asking him to forgive you and to come into your life and to become your Lord and Savior. 
Maybe right now, you would just simply pray, Jesus, please forgive me. I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I need you. I know that I need to enter through that door. I know that you are the door. I know that you're the good shepherd. Jesus, please forgive me and come into my life. I thank you for saving my soul. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Jesus, help me to live a life from this day forward that brings you honor and glory. And I'll give you the praise for it. Help me to get into your word. Help me to be the man or the woman or the young person that I need to be right now. And I'll give you the praise for all that you'll do. Jesus, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for dying for me. You say, Pastor, that was my prayer today. If that was your prayer and you meant business with God, you say, Pastor, that's my prayer. I've never prayed and asked God to forgive me, but I did it this morning and I asked him. And it's not about the prayer, but it's about your belief. It's about your faith in Jesus Christ as the risen Savior of the world. If that was your prayer this morning, would you just look at me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you come up and sign a card. But would you look at me as a testimony of your prayer? Say, I meant business with Jesus today, the good shepherd. And I want to make it known. God bless you, bro. I see you. God bless you. Somebody else. That's the greatest decision you'll ever make, man. That's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Somebody else say, I made that decision. And I just want you to know, I'm thankful for the good shepherd today. Would you just look at me? Catch my eyes. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God for being our good shepherd. Maybe you're here today and you know the good shepherd. You know that he's the door. You know that he died in your place as the Lamb of God. But maybe you haven't been walking with the good shepherd. Maybe you haven't been receiving as much instruction on a day-to-day basis as you know you need to. But you say, Pastor, would you pray for me that I would get into God's Word this week, that I would be stronger, and that I would walk with the Good Shepherd day in and day out? If that's your prayer, would you just look at me? Say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody else, God bless you. Pastor, pray for me. I want to walk. God bless you all. God bless you. Somebody else. I see you, bro. I'm already praying for you. You know that. God bless you. Somebody else. God bless you. God bless you, young lady. Ma'am, I see you. Sir, I see you over here. I see you, bro. Anybody else? I see you, young man. God bless you. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the message that reminds us of your love in sending your son. We thank you for the message that reminds us that our Savior is not only the lamb who died in our place. He's not only the doorway to salvation and protection and provision, But he is our good shepherd each and every day. Lord, I pray that during this song of invitation that our hearts might be directed to you as we sing about your goodness to us. Lord, we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.